0: Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, Health Junkies, on this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Dr. Pamela Warshen smith She's been a medical doctor for 44 years, and for the last 24 years, she's been working as an anti-aging functional medicine specialist in the Detroit metro area, which 20 of her first years was in the Detroit Medical Center as an ER doc, so she's a tough cookie. Now, She and I have talked before on the podcast a couple times, talking about her previous books, and she is quite the author. And today we're going to be talking about how to maximize your male hormones and testosterone today. Now, this podcast isn't just for men, because ladies, if you have a guy in your life, or if you have a son. This may be something that you want to pass on to them. And also, ladies, we can supplement with testosterone as well. And the same kind of guidelines that she's going to be outlining here apply to women. Now, while we don't specifically talk about women in this podcast, I want you to be thinking about the same processes because both women and men metabolize hormones the exact same way. So, This is a fun podcast, lots of great information, and information that is relevant, especially in the anti-aging and bioidentical hormone realm. Dr. Smith has been in this realm for a long time. She even teaches, she still practices, and gosh, she's my go-to when it comes to hormones. So let's introduce you to Dr. Pamela Smith and jump into the podcast. Hey there, health junkies, I have Dr. Pamela Worshen-Smith on again today, and we are talking about maximizing your male hormones. And of course, that's the title of her new book, so we have to go with that. And she told me just now that she sold out after her first release in December. So guys, you guys got to jump on this book when it comes back out in March. So Dr. Smith, welcome to the Health Fix podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, we've had you on twice now. And you know, this one, I, I've i been like so excited to talk about testosterone and, and I wrote down a bunch of different things. And of course, testosterone isn't the only male hormone, but it's the one that folks tend to think about. So I'd love to start off with all the other hormones that males <laughs> have that they don't think they have, but when they're told, it's mind blowing. <laughs> so it's not just testosterone. What What else kind of puts into play with the male hormones?
1: Give us us the scoop. Probably the most surprising one is estrogen. Uh, People don't realize that men make estrogen. I know you know they do, but honestly, the general public and a lot of doctors don't know that men make estrogen. Uh, They make three kinds, just like women do, uh, E1, E2, and E3. Uh, E3 is still a little experimental, but certainly E1 and E2 we've been looking at for more than 30 years and men actually need estrogen for bone structure and for memory. However, if they have too much estrogen, they have an increased risk in heart disease and prostate cancer. So we do measure estrogens in men just
0: like we measure the rest of their hormones. (laughs) I love that you mentioned that because when I've measured it before in a couple of guys, they've been like, why are you measuring estrogen? I don't want that and I don't need it. And I want to block all of it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's slow down a minute here. (laughs) I'm guessing you've probably heard a few guys say that before too, that they, they wanted to block all the estrogen possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, it is all about balance because it is a balance between
0: the hormones. (laughs) So. Speaking of estrogen and, and the excess component of it for fellas, this is one of the biggest things that I actually, in my practice, will struggle a little bit with because it's not just too much testosterone back converting. We have things like environmental factors that we're working with, and then there's the the whole thing about beer. So let's talk a little bit about how, how guys would actually get to an excess estrogen state.
1: Well, there's a number of different ways, but the number one way is your weight. Estrogen is stored in fat cells in both men and women. And so weight is the number one way that men end up with high estrogen. So weight loss is a great way to lower it. I mean, that is just nice and simple. Uh, So it does also go up with age because you get conversion of testosterone into estrogen, which occurs more commonly with age. And sometimes we have to change that. Uh, A more common reason people end up with high estrogen now is new, and that's the over-prescribing of testosterone. When the patient is prescribed too much testosterone, it doesn't stay testosterone. It actually converts to estrogen and dihydrotestosterone. So that's become the number one reason. Uh, There's environmental estrogens like this one right here, plastic, (laughs) okay? So men can get estrogen from plastics as well and other environmental things. So there's a number of ways, including foods. There's actually high estrogen foods if men have high estrogen, we we give them a list and we take them off of those foods. If they have low estrogen, we give them a list to take to eat those foods. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice. I, I think a lot of folks don't realize that there's foods that can help with estrogen as a whole. And some, some folks in my practice roll their eyes about my cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli um, family recommendations. Let's let's hear from you the food recommendations. What what kind of foods can help to reduce estrogens within the body as a whole? Absolutely. Let's actually look from my book,
1: okay, okay, what some of those would be so that we have a really great list in ways of looking at it. So, from the viewpoint of all of those kind of foods, it's important to balance though you don't want to eat any food just all of the time where that's the only food that the person eats so that can be problematic Mm -hmm. so we'll pull up those lists of estrogen containing foods
0: and we'll look at it from both viewpoints okay okay And especially now, I think it's important, the estrogen-containing foods, since really there has been this push lately of the plant-forward diet and a lot of the soy, processed soy-based foods that are are getting kind of pushed a lot.
1: They Mm -hmm. are. And foods that decrease estrogen as Are you mentioned cruciferous vegetables, you know, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower, bok choy, collard greens, turnips, rutabagas, mushrooms do like shiitake and portabella and baby button mushrooms, red grapes, seeds that contain polyphenols like chia, flax, sesame, green tea. And it does take three cups of green tea and pomegranates so those are the foods that actually decrease estrogen okay and then if we're going to look at it from the reverse viewpoint and that would be foods that actually increase estrogen then if you have low estrogen then a whole list of vegetables do i mean things just to give you some example that we eat all the time Brussels sprouts and carrots and cauliflower and lettuce and onion and parsley and pumpkin and radish and asparagus and celery. Fruits do, like apples and apricots and bananas and oranges and peaches and pears and strawberries. Grains do. So, depending on people, what grains they can have uh, barley, corn, rice, rye, and wheat. Uh, Beans do, like chickpeas, kidney pea, peanut, soybeans. My personal favorite would be nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, My very favorite that falls under that is coconut. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, cashews and almonds and pecans and pistachios and sunflowers and sesame and walnuts. And then there are better oils. You know, coconut oil and some of the better oils, soybean oil, sunflower walnut oil, those also are very, very good to help with estrogen.
0: Okay. Okay. So finding the balance between those. And like you were saying before, if there's one food that you're kind of like on repeat with, you might want to work on balancing it out a little bit. So you're
1: not- People going. don't realize that's how that an individual can get allergies. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody should eat oatmeal for breakfast every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Steel cut oats is great. And people go, oh, I eat it every day to lower my cholesterol. Well, there's other sources of fiber besides steel-cut <laughs> oats. And, and so you, know, you do get allergy responses when you eat a food
0: every single day of your life. This is true. This is true. All right. We will make sure everybody's rotating their foods up. So I jumped in and talked about testosterone replacement because that's kind of where my brain went, goes to always with maximizing male hormones, but we don't necessarily have to do trt do we can can guys yeah. actually Im- replace some of their testosterone naturally without even touching any of the bioidentical testosterone
1: they can and the number one way is exercise and that's at any age it doesn't matter if someone is 30 50 or 80 exercise is the best way for a male to improve their testosterone without using testosterone and there's a whole chapter in my book that looks at more natural ways of doing it besides an actual
0: prescription. But hands
1: down,
0: <laughs> 80% of that is exercise. Oh, so important. And would you agree that it also helps if someone is using a bioidentical testosterone to make sure that they're exercising too, to kind of help with the support of that as well? Exercise
1: is the key to health. When people say, give me four (laughs) things or five that will make me healthy. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm going to say, eat right. Exercise, make sure your hormones are good. Make sure you're nutritionally sound and replenish nutrients that you get depleted. And of course, you know, the last one, make sure your gut's healthy. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. That's huge. That is huge for the gut. So let's let's actually transition a little bit over into that department. What aspect of the digestive system for folks who are listening and thinking, like, okay, well, I poop every day. My gut's healthy, right? Let's let's talk a little bit about gut health as it relates to the hormones.
1: Number one, you normal gut health and certainly naturopaths, you guys are experts at this is really you have to have two bowel movements a day. When my patients come in and they say, well, I don't see what the problem is. I have two bowel movements a week. It's <laughs> like, well, we already defined it right there. You don't have to have reflux, GERD, constipation, diarrhea. If you're only having two bowel movements a week, then you're not healthy because your gut's not healthy. I mean, it is 70% of the immune system is in the gut. muscle B12 and serotonin, the happy neurotransmitter. is made in the GI tract. There's so many things important. It's uh, the gut has to be healthy for you to
0: be healthy. Okay. So I guess my thought would be if we're going to maximize hormones, we want to have these things in place before we start to consider even trying a, a synthetic or a bioidentical type of testosterone. Would you agree?
1: I would. And people don't realize that it does matter how hormones are cleared out of the body. And there's three phases of detoxification. So they're cleared out in the liver. Mm -hmm. And basically, that's about 75% of all of these kinds of hormones, testosterone included, that are cleared through the liver, but the other 25% actually go through the GI tract. So both the liver has to be healthy and the GI tract has to be healthy. When I said there's an increase in estrogen, then you have an increase in prostate cancer that includes increase in estrogen for women in breast for both of those people, that 25% that goes to the gut. If it's not cleared out, then yes, there's actually an increase
0: in cancer. If the gut is not healthy. That's huge. That's huge. And I think for a lot of guys, I mean, it's, it's, Something we don't talk about. Um, I would say women talk a little bit more about the gut, guys, not so much. And especially when they they come in the office and they're in front of me, they're like, "Well, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine there." Do you get Do you get that response sometimes from guys when you're asking about the the bowel movements in the gut? The quick to shut. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> what difference does it make?
1: You know, how does that affect my health? Although I have to honestly say that since COVID since people now are more in tuned as to, you know, why I would get COVID or worse COVID and then someone else. And we talk about their immune system itself. They are surprised to find out that 70% of their immune system is in the gut. Yeah. So if you're having reflux, then are you going to have an increased risk in getting COVID? Yes. Because mm-hmm. the gut's not healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. That's huge for people to think about. Okay, let's talk a little bit about testosterone replacement therapy because I know that a lot of my folks that I surveyed before this podcast wanted to know certain details. And I, of course, have a couple questions too for my personal um, (laughs) interest. So with testosterone replacement therapy, at what point in terms of someone's journey as they're getting older, do you think that someone is a candidate for testosterone replacement therapy? What kind of criteria do you have?
1: Thank you for asking that question because it's probably the most important question when it comes to testosterone. And the reason for that is that a lot of doctors are honestly not trained in this field. You really do want to see a practitioner that is fellowship trained in hormones. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is we're now seeing over-prescribing. Mm-hmm. And the number one new addiction Of all addictions, the number one big addiction right now is addiction to testosterone. So it is very fascinating. We are some practitioners that are not trained. You know, they just do a weekend course and they think that's all there is. They're giving testosterone to younger men. We don't give testosterone usually to men under the age of 42. If their pituitary is working and they have testicles because it causes infertility if we give it too early. If you need testosterone replacement, we give HCG or Clomid instead, depending on the state or province that people live in. And so we don't want to give it too early. In fact, this is a true story of one of my patients. He came to see me for testosterone replacement, and he's only 37. And I said, you know, I, I can't give it to you. Let's look at HCG. Let's look at Clomid. Let's look at some options. How much are you exercising? There's a few nutrients you can take, zinc, et cetera. Let's look at these. And he said, no, 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 I want testosterone. (laughs) And so he actually left the practice. And, you know, he said, "I'm, I'm done having children. He came back to see me five years later. And it's really sad. Two years after he left my practice, And he was started on testosterone by a practitioner that really didn't understand hormones. His wife and two kids were killed in a train car accident. And so his ready-made family that he thought was there was gone. And then just before he came back to see me, which now is five years later after the initial visit, he met the second love of his life. And, you know, most people are not lucky enough to meet too low of their lives. Yeah. He was just really a fortunate man and she wouldn't marry him. And she wouldn't because he was infertile, because he had taken that testosterone when he was 37 and he wanted to know, what can we do? And it turned out that we really couldn't get things started again. And so you don't want to take testosterone too early. He he never ended up marrying her because she wanted to have children. Mm-hmm. Uh. And so it is important that we don't give it too early. Mm-hmm. It's important we don't give too much because not only does too much testosterone convert into estrogens and dihydrotestosterone, but what we call supraphysiological doses too high will increase the risk of prostate cancer and it will drive up blood sugar and increase the risk of other diseases, including insulin resistance. And if you do it long enough, diabetes. But we are seeing this now. We actually have patients who've had a heart attack from overdosage of testosterone. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. It's it's good to hear that because I do see the guys younger and younger coming into my practice asking for testosterone. And and it's very rampant in the, the police and fire industry and anyone, any of the, the heavy weight lifting industry. And I find that, yeah, it's, it's, it the fertility thing is a, a real deal. And I've had a few guys in my practice who have come in trying to reboot their, their natural testosterone, and it, it doesn't come back. Now, for anyone who might be listening, or has a family member who's taking testosterone right now, and is listening going, Oh, my gosh, how long do they have to be on it before they become infertile? Do you, is there any data? That we have that can give us a ballpark at all on, on it can that. be as
1: short as six months. Wow, it be, yeah, it doesn't take very long. Uh, the shorter the period of time, the easier it is to reboot the system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but it doesn't take very long. Starting at a, the age of 42 or 45, then most people are done having children, and then we do give testosterone, and it is best given on the skin. You can give it uh, IM or sub Q but then you have highs and lows. Uh, If it's given sub-Q, the most common way to give it now is twice a week, but then the first day you would actually have too much. The next day, the male would have the right amount, and then the third day would actually be too little. If you put it on the skin, then it's more physiologic, meaning it mimics what the body does in a better fashion. And we usually have it put on the inner thigh or the top of foot, areas where there's not a lot of hair. Uh, There is transference. So when a man or a woman puts hormones on the skin, it can be transferred to others, cats and dogs, as we discussed previously on the show, it can be cats and dogs for up to 12 hours. But also when you put it on the skin, there's a whole lot less blood clots that can occur and other side effects. Plus, if you put it on the skin, it helps with erectile dysfunction 81% of the time. If you use it as an injection, it's only 53% of the time. There's actually a clinical trial showing that.
0: Wow. I think that's important for, for some guys to hear because I know a lot of guys like to do the injections. And one of the biggest things that I see with it, I look at the oil and I'm going, this is cottonseed oil that we're getting from the pharmacy pharmacies. We've all been told cottonseed oil isn't great for our food. Hmm, might that have an impact on when we inject it? What What kind of research have you run into or what kind of data, you know, what, what do you know in this department? I wanna pick your brain on this one.
1: It's a great point. It is much better reason we give it transdermally because then it doesn't have to be mixed with anything. And cottonseed oil, you know, a little bit of anything is not a big deal for most things. But if you're talking about giving an injection twice a week for 40 years, then is cottonseed oil going to be a problem? Yes,
0: for many people it would be. Mm-hmm. And cardiovascularly would be my guess since that's what we have it linked to if we eat foods with with the cottonseed oil. Has that exactly And you know some of these hormones are mixed with peanut oil and other things that are high
1: allergens. So if you use it all the time, could you have, develop an allergy to peanut oil? Yes. So if you're putting it on the skin, it's just straight testosterone. Now, what we can do is if estrogen is high, then we can add something called chrysin, C-H-R-Y-S-I-N. We can add that to the same syringe or pump and people can put it on. If a male just has high estrogen, but his testosterone is normal, then we can just use chrysin by itself mm-hmm. and we put it on the skin. It has no side effects. It's unlike an which would be a medication. It does work, but there can be side effects to an astrozole. With chrysin, honestly, there aren't any. Uh, EGCG, which comes from green tea and zinc, both can be effective as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So we've got some non side effect components because, yes, uh, an astrozole is a very common um, estrogen blocker that, that we use, you know, in, in the industry of, of hormone replacement therapy. Let's talk about that for a little bit, because I've found in the times that I've been convinced to use it, which sounds terrible. Cause I don't like it. I've had folks with bone pain, things of that nature. It just doesn't ever end well using it. There's, I haven't
1: used anostrazol, honestly in 17 years. When Chrysin became more prevalent and the research was there to support it, and we actually saw it in clinical practice, that it works almost 100% of the time, we honestly didn't need to use an astrozole anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so this is something that I wanted folks to kind of hear because it is something that I'm even asked. I mean, folks are very well educated now and on the different forums and, and whatnot, and they'll come into the practice and say, I want this, this, and this, and <laughs> oh wait a minute here. Um, let's, let's talk about the background there. Now you had mentioned Clomid and using Clomid as, as a option for increasing testosterone for someone who's under, let's say 42, 40, 40 years of age. What is the mechanism for Clomid? I think a lot of people might be thinking like, wait, Clomid, I, I might've taken that to, to, uh, help with my fertility, like get, get my, um, ovulation going or something. How the heck does that work for guys?
1: It actually will increase testosterone levels uh, in the body Uh, and it does help maintain fertility um, because it has the right response to hormones called LH and FSH that occur in the pituitary gland. And so, so that we're not, you know, too technical for the general public today, that's actually how it works. And so it's actually a great option for people that even are over 45 and want to maintain fertility. Uh, There there are a couple studies showing that you can use very low dose testosterone with Clomid Mm -hmm. and together you may maintain fertility for people that are more in the 45 uh, range instead of somebody who's 40 or 37. Mm -hmm. So there's a variance now in how some of this is being done. And the reason for that is something that your viewers should honestly look at. And that is when I first started practicing 44 years ago. The number of men under the age of 45 with low testosterone honestly was almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Now it seems to get younger and younger every year. I mean, even 10 years ago, we rarely saw someone under 42 with low testosterone. Now we are seeing men commonly in their 30s.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've see. I see it as well. And I've even caught a couple in their 20s, late 20s, which, and we're talking firefighting industry, you know, lots of cortisol issues going on too and, and sleep deprivation. So there's definitely something that sets them up for it. But yeah, it I've noticed the same. It just seems to be getting younger in this case, which is why I was like, okay, we cannot be recommending tea injections to everybody on the planet, which it seems like with all the commercials. Um, when you turn on the radio, I, I literally was driving in Seattle two days, three days ago and the commercial, it was like every other commercial was the low T clinic. And I'm like, oh
1: gosh, well, the response in giving testosterone and commonly the dose is overdosed is, oh, if it's overdosed, you can just donate a unit of blood. That's not the answer. The answer is not high. go visit and donate blood. Believe me, I'm very pro donation of blood. Okay, Because we help people when we donate blood. But the reason to do that is not because testosterone is overprescribed, because hemoglobin and the pneumatic rate go up and you can have a blood clot, a pulmonary embolus, a heart attack, et cetera. The answer is to lower the dose of testosterone. Men only make three to eight milligrams of testosterone in a day. So when we put it on the skin, honestly, there's no reason to go above 50 milligrams, But I see some people put it on transdermally, meaning on the skin at 100, 200 milligrams a day. And it's like, no, this is absolutely not physiologic. We're actually harming a patient when we give too much testosterone. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, in terms of you you had mentioned the hematocrit and you had mentioned the hemoglobin. So folks are listening. These are numbers that are related to how clotty your blood is basically and or how not we could be looking at an anemia sense. But with testosterone, we will see these numbers go up, especially if the dose that the individual is taking is too high. Now, Dr. Smith, if you see someone coming in that has those numbers up, your first response is to drop the testosterone. If those numbers don't drop, do you, is it therapeutic? You know, blood donation, or are there herbs or something that someone could use that that you've seen to be effective on that side of the whole? If
1: someone comes in overdosed on testosterone, the medical board has actually changed its view. So the medical board now, and most everywhere in the world not just in the United States and Canada, actually now recommends and in some places insist that you take the patient totally off of testosterone. Not that you lower the dose, but you take the patient off. And honestly, that's what I've always done. I've always just said, hey, we need to stop it. And then we'll repeat your levels again, you know, in 30 days, 60 days and see when we can restart it. And, And that is something we should discuss is testing. Yeah. If you're going to put hormones on the skin, which we obviously advocate here, is you do have to do salivary testing. It is not accurate to do blood testing. When you put hormones on the skin, they do not show up in the blood. There's two published trials and one unpublished trial that found the same thing. Hormones on the skin, whether it's men, female, it doesn't matter which hormone, as long as it's a steroid hormone, doesn't matter the age of the patient, it does not show up in the blood. So you can't use blood testing to follow. You also can't do urine. You know, there's some people out there saying, oh, you know, I do a urine test and they dose me off of urine. Urine is so important to look at hormone breakdown, to look at the metabolites and make sure that people don't have an increased risk in getting cancer. However, we never dose off of a metabolite because it's a breakdown product. I mean, how you and I metabolize things are entirely different. We dose off of saliva. So part of the problem too in going to someone who's not trained in this field is that they do the wrong kind of testing or they may not even test at all. Yeah
0: yeah yeah that's uh, the not test at all is what I've been finding lately, which is is slightly disturbing. Uh, not slightly, it's very disturbing. Um, I, I just ran into a patient the other day who said her doc said you're on once you're on bioidentical hormones, you don't need any testing. What? just oh After we start the hormones in 90 days, and every six
1: months thereafter, of that obviously that person was not trained in hormone replacement.
0: Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, um, it turned into a little altercation between me and and, and the doctor because I was like, "Look, you, you can't, you can't. This is not." Okay. Um, and, and I want people to really understand that that's not okay to not to be be on hormones and not be tested at all. And, and some people get annoyed with me for how much I do test, but my schedule is like yours, you know, it's, it's frequent because how do we know what's going on if we don't test? Well, there's actually a new trial that just came out
1: in the last year that actually has a testing schedule. And that is now the standard of care and so if people are not updated, they won't know that either. The
0: standard of care now is in ninety days and every six months thereafter, okay, okay. Folks, so those of you guys who are listening, if your doc's not testing that frequently, we need to make sure that we help everybody get up to speed for for safety here. Now, with testosterone, a couple of things, you had mentioned the urine testing because I'd love to see how someone's metabolizing because I do think it's important to do that at least once in the scheme of things to know what's happening. Now, with testing and, and finding metabolism issues, with testosterone, What are the key things that seem to come up over and over again to help with metabolizing testosterone, things like zinc? I'm looking for for details for someone to that's questioning, well, what can I do to help with my testosterone metabolism, make things work better? Well,
1: actually, believe it or not, probably the answer to any question in medicine when it comes to things of this nature is to decrease stress. You mm-hmm. will help the metabolization of your hormones, male or female, by just decreasing catecholamines, meaning decreasing stress. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two is, is to look at methylation. One half of the people in the world are poor methylators and one half are normal. I happen to be a poor methylator. So when I break down my hormones, they break down into four hydroxyestrogen which is the one you don't want. Okay, so when men break down testosterone, they break it down into two, four and 16 hydroxy estrogen when the estrogen component breaks down. So testosterone aromatizes into the estrogens and then it breaks down into two, four and 16 hydroxy estrogen. The two is the good one. That's the one you want. need a little bit of 16 for bone structure. So you don't want it to be zero but too much does increase the risk of prostate cancer and breast cancer in men. 3% of breast cancer is in males. And that number has gone up. It used to be 1%. Yeah. And then, yeah, it used to be 1% has gone up and we want no for hydroxyestrogen. estrogen. Now, there is definitely an increased risk in prostate cancer and heart disease as well, we can fix that. That is fixable in hundred percent of people. So poor methylators, we can give them methylated vitamins, but the other half of the population that are normal methylators, we actually don't want to give them methylated vitamins because if you give them methylated vitamins, there's 18 different symptoms they can get. And there's an increase in every single cancer if you give methylated vitamins to people like my husband, who's a normal methylator. Wow! So we do want to measure methylation and you can measure it by doing homocysteine. You can measure it by looking at an actual methylation test. And I know you've discussed it on your podcast, but you also
0: can look at it by estrogen breakdown, that 2, 4, and 16 hydroxy estrogen. It's huge. It's huge. I think it's really, I think it's really important. And a lot of people um, are starting to become savvy to this now. And a lot of people, of course, know the Dutch test, but I've also talked with ZRT, you know, since they have the technology as well. Do you primarily use ZRT?
1: I use ZRT for this testing, both for saliva uh, for not all of my saliva, but certainly the majority, I they are my primary people that I use as well for urine testing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and interestingly enough, having talked with Doctor, I starts with a Z. I can't think of his Doctor Zava. There we go, Zava. Um, he and I talked about how they were the primary technology on the urine metabolites testing, and so I, I like to kind of put that in there for folks that the Dutch test came later. So It did.
1: So ZRT and Genova Diagnostics were the first two people. Uh, Doctor's data was right behind them. So all of those are great companies. They were really the groundbreakers in this field when it comes to looking at the breakdown and metabolization of the hormones.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So we've talked through all things kind of male hormones in that aspect. We definitely talked about exercise and, and putting that first. Diet. Is there anything else that that we've missed that I haven't asked you about in terms of maximizing male hormones? Am I forgetting something?
1: Well, you mentioned stress, but let's talk a little bit more about it because pregnanolone, the hormone of memory, actually makes estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, and cortisol in both men and women. And you have to have cortisol, the stress hormone, to live. If you don't have cortisol, you do die in a week. So the body will take pregnenolone because it's a mother hormone and make cortisol preferentially. So some of these men, as you mentioned, you know, they're 35, they're stressed, they have low testosterone. Some of that is coming from the fact that because they're stressed, pregnenolone is making cortisol and then eventually it stops making estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and DHEA DHEA does make estrogen and testosterone. So the rest of that pathway does not get completed if people stay stressed at any age. So some people, honestly, we just need to help them with stress and stress reduction techniques and adaptogenic herbs and and even a multivitamin can help the adrenal glands. So some of these people, particularly younger, that have low testosterone, actually it's a stress issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Yes. So stress management, you guys heard it here. And you didn't hear it just from me. Now you heard it from Dr. Smith too. Cause I know I feel like I'm a broken record sometimes on it. Now, one last thing that I wanted to ask that I had a, a question from someone is in terms of say they didn't want to do transdermal testosterone, the troches. How do you feel about the trochies? What's kind of your go-to on that versus drops, that kind of aspect? What's what's your thought process?
1: trophies are a great way to get medicine in the body however it does make the saliva test less accurate mm-hmm. so we try not to use a troche for that reason also you do swallow some of it
0: mm. and so
1: for women we don't use trochies at all for estrogen because oral estrogen in women is really something we don't do okay and and people should not do okay and because testosterone will aromatize probably best not to do a trochea of testosterone either. I mean, it only takes two minutes to rub it into the skin. And if you don't have two minutes to do that, because some patients will tell me that, then you know what, before we give you hormones at all, we need to talk about how you manage your your time and stress.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that little spiel on there because it is kind of how I feel as well about those things. So, all right, transdermal tea, if we're going to do it and exercise is being kind of the most natural way to boost things up. So Dr. Smith, thanks again for coming on the health fix podcast. And of course, maximize your male hormones guys. It is out everywhere. You can find books. I'm guessing um, starting March, right? March, 2020. It is. It will be back
1: in bookstores and Amazon. The cover looks like this It's actually quite colorful. It's kind of a fun cover and it will be back on the
0: shelves in March. Alrighty. Well, we're looking forward to that. And I look forward to some more books from you. We got to, I gotta come up with more topics. Um, I'm sure you probably already have some in, in the works. You working on another book? I am. I'm working on a second
1: edition of my thyroid book. Nice. And people who want to order the male hormone book, you can order it pre-ordered on Amazon. That is available to now
0: do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Smith. I appreciate it. And yes, we are going to have you on again to talk all things thyroid as soon as that book's coming out. Perfect. Thank you so much for
1: the invitation.
0: Hey, Hell Junkies. Are you feeling just off, feeling like you're aging a little bit faster than you want to, and wondering what in the world is up? Hey, I might have some answers for you and some direction. If you want to chat with me, I am offering complimentary calls right now. You can head over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Take my quiz, click on the schedule of chat, and let's talk and see if we can get you in the right direction. And if I'm able to help you, I'm going to let you know. Otherwise, I'm going to help you find what you're looking for.